0: Hey guys, what's going on? Welcome to the show. Welcome to another episode of Action Movie Anatomy. It is a beautiful Wednesday afternoon, and we are discussing what is quite possibly the most timeless movie ever made. We are talking about saving Private Ryan. Is it an action movie? Is it a war movie? Is it just a war movie with an hour of action? I don't know, but it's freaking amazing. We're going to break the whole thing down for you guys. We'll see you in just one second. Welcome to Popcorn Talk, featuring movie discussion, news, and interviews. Popcorn Talk. We talk movies. And now, here's Popcorn Talks: Action Movie Anatomy. Boom! Oh, yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. oh right, right.
1: Yeah, it's, this is very serious. It's this movie? This is. <laughs> I am so sorry. <laughs> I am so sorry. <laughs> What's up, everybody? What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the show.
0: Welcome to Action Movie Anatomy. Welcome to Action Movie Anatomy. It's uh, the show we talk Welcome about. Welcome to Action movies. Movie Anatomy. <laughs> One more time, uh, we talk action movies on the show. It's the Popcorn Talk Network, the online broadcast network dedicated to talking pop culture. Bucketfuls of pop culture. That's the new. That's the new slogan. That's the new th-
1: bucketfuls of pop culture. I love it. Yeah,
0: it's the new slogan. So pop it's,
1: culture bucketfuls. Yeah, so it's right.
0: expanded now beyond uh, movies. There's all kinds of stuff, and uh, here we are to talk about uh, talk about Saving Private Ryan. So. Yeah. We cover action movies on the show. The greatest action movies of all time. Yes, action movies that adhere to four basic rules aside from being made after 1981, which is again an unofficial rule, and actually a rule that references... There's a film we're going to talk about today, specifically on this episode that was made before 81 that is a candidate for the show. Oh, yeah. Um, But uh, that is the unofficial. The first rule is the hero always plays by their own rules. Now, this is not a typical hero movie. It should be noted that, like, we're aware of the fact that comparing Saving Private Ryan and John Wick is a silly thing to do. Absolutely. It's not the same conversation. One movie's important, the other one's just fun.
1: However, making the argument on the show, I've said this for two years, that we would never do this movie on the show. I said it for probably about a year and a half, strongly. Yep. Um, <clears throat> over the last six months, we've kind of loosened up our, our format just a little bit, where we've brought in more movies that seem like they fit. This movie has over an hour of action in it. There are some movies that aren't even an hour long. Yeah. Okay? And then in those 90-minute movies that are action, there's definitely not an hour of action in those 90-minute movies for the most part.
0: I feel like we've covered at least one movie on the show and it like classified it as action that had like two minutes of action. In yeah, it. like The Town is or, a great example. Or Crimson Tide. Crimson Tide. Literally doesn't there's have no any action. action in there this. are explosions <laughs> of emotional action <laughs> in Crimson Tide. <laughs> I think that's what I said. I think that was literally my comment. Um, so anyway, normally we say the hero always plays by their own rules. I mean, I do think that there's a smartest guy in the room quality to Hanks in this movie. Oh, so, definitely. So like... He play, He kind of plays by his own rules, sort of, but, like, not really. Now, this, the rule number two, the hero and the villain are always the smartest people in the room. Hanks definitely is the smartest guy in the room in this movie.
1: And is the German guy, uh, when I was reading all the facts, is he referred to as Steamboat Willie? Yes. Yeah, yeah. So I think he's the smartest guy in the room as well. That dude knows that Upham isn't going to hurt him. Yeah. He knows that, uh, that he's going to get let go. Yeah. And he knows to not go to the Allied Forces. And the dude just... Ah, that yeah. guy ruins
0: me. Yeah, it's hard to... It's very difficult to use the rules to, to actually define this movie. Rule number three, the movie is driven by a police, military, political, or mercenary figure, of Got course. It. And four, the movie contains a minimum of one
1: explosion. Definitely.
0: Yeah. So... Again, guys, we don't mean to talk about this movie as like it's an action movie to take away from it. It's just that it's one of the sweetest movies ever made. It's so, one of the greatest
1: movies ever made.
0: Yeah, it's really... It was interesting watching this for me because you know that I just finished my top 50 movies of all time list. Yeah, do you feel um, like it needs to get on there? Well, it's top 50 favorite, so I, I, need, to, I need to really make sure that I'm clear about that for people because... Uh, we had our buddy Anthony in here. I was doing a, an interview with him recently. Yeah. And he loves movies. And I showed him my list. And he was dying laughing. Because he's like, you have eternal sunshine of the spotless mind next to Tommy Boy. He's like, you've got dirty dancing ahead of Godfather Part 2. What the hell's the matter with you? Um, he's like, Just Friends <laughs> is a valid on valid point. He's like, Just Friends is on here and you didn't even put Godfather 1.
1: Um- <laughs> <laughs> okay, we need to have a talk with Anthony about Just Friends. He doesn't know.
0: But uh, the point is... 50 movies, when you really think about it 50 movies is like nothing That's like no movies So no. When you, if you actually want to put anything on the list That's like a stupid comedy Or just something you love that isn't a classic It takes a slot, a slot away from something very important Like Saving Private Ryan Yeah, so really interestingly Lone Survivor is on my top 50 favorite movies mm-hmm. Saving Private Ryan is not Saving Private Ryan's a much better movie, classically, than Lone Survivor. But you enjoy watching Lone Survivor much more. I love Lone Survivor. There's something about Lone Survivor that when I watch it over and over again, I just it sticks with me and I love it. Now I love well, it's this. almost
1: because like the end of it, even though it's depressing, is triumphant, whereas the end of this is depressing and not really that triumphant.
0: Yeah, it's it was weird. I haven't seen... This is the third time i would seen this movie. Mm-hmm. It was beautiful. Incredible. Yeah, it's, it's perfect. Wonderful. It had the same feeling for me, almost, that it had when I watched Almost Famous again recently that I hadn't seen in a long time. <laughs> when I watched Just Friends. again for- <laughs> and it, where it was just like wow this is a really important really special movie that came out when mm-hmm. I was too young to really understand how important it was uh, and the recency bias in the next few years because it was so hyped yeah it kind of took away from its place in history and now looking back
1: on this movie it really is as important as it seemed it is like absolutely perfect and it's almost three hours which is also another thing you can never speak on movies that are that long yeah uh, except for some of the mo- like the most timeless classics like Lawrence Arabia and like right. Ben-Hur things like that Ben-Hur. Um, yeah so should uh, should we hop in the trailer yeah I'd say so let's get into it Mr. Brian Boyd no doubt by now you have received full information about the untimely death of your son however there are some personal details believe very strongly what no words doing. of mine can ever it was a fine soldier anything. regarding
0: the circumstances leading to his death felt evidence. his loss tremendous Men's roberts commanding officers heroic service He's to his country a great soldier a dedicated phrase of god and the aid of your Those son. Of us I'm alive. please accept my most sincere condolences and condole he live in our
1: memories to you my deepest sympathy grandson what
0: just happened something you should know about yes, yes.
1: these two men died in Normandy. this one at omaha beach sean ryan gandolfini this one in utah really peter ryan no no no, it's no. a different guy this man was killed last week in new guinea daniel ryan the three men are brothers sir i've just learned that this afternoon their mother's getting all three telegrams that's not all there's a fourth brother the youngest he's somewhere in normandy we don't know where this is really the trailer
0: Boy, lie there's a different one we're gonna send somebody to find him And we were going to get him the hell out of there.
1: Some private in
0: the 101st lost three of his brothers and he's got a ticket home. I'll see you on the beach. It's not going to be easy to find one particular soldier in the whole damn war. It's
1: a weird trailer. Yeah, this is like trailer three or something it feels like.
0: Good trailer. Huh? trailer, trailer no, 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 we can't take the kids. I don't know anything about Ryan, it's just a name. But if finding him so he can go home, if that earns me the right to get back to my wife, well then that's my mission. The greatest everyman of all time. Tom Hanks? I think so. Is that your uh <clears throat> No. You, that's what you decided? No going to tweet the link here
1: to the episode which i hadn't done because i'm proud of this this show <laughs> i'm proud of what i have <laughs> created um <clears throat> yeah i mean not not my favorite trailer of the ones that came out but still a very very good trailer yep uh i still i, I need you to introduce thesis and i need you to do it like slowly or something because i have seven thesis you have seven i have seven thesies.
0: thesis. size thesis thesis uh, i can't find the link um so
1: a <clears throat> couple
0: things <laughs> I like that trailer. I feel like there's there must be a more straight trailer they released. Yeah, there's
1: like a much more blockbuster trailer. Um but, where it says where Tom Hanks has the I'll see you on the beach line in it. Um
0: but that's a good trailer and I, I can see why they wanted to do that. It's mm-hmm. It's emotional and big and sweeping. And yeah, I mean, someone wrote there was like that. That trailer
1: is the most dramatic thing I've ever seen.
0: Yeah, yeah, for sure. Um, so, a couple things, guys. Number one, if you want to follow along in the conversation, you should get at us on Twitter. You can find me at Ben Bateman Media. Uh, you guys
1: can find me at Andrew Guy on Instagram and Twitter.
0: Yes, and you can find the Popcorn Talk at the Popcorn Talk and our podcast, Action Movie Anatomy at AMA podcast we've been getting a lot of interaction on there recently from you guys which has been super super cool Um, so let's get into thesis statement guys thesis statement is that moment in the film something a strong thought a strong opinion rooted almost in like hyperbole like you Mm -hmm. almost you want to say it you want somebody to kind of like turn their head up and be like, hmm, that's interesting. an incredible point. Interesting. And they really have to think about it before they decide if they do or don't agree
1: with you, because it's like a big thought. Like, they care. You're right. at a party and you say it. They want to talk Saving Private Ryan, and this is what you say. This is your one argument, your one point that you could back up till the end of time.
0: Yes. And I thought a lot about mine. It's I. It's kind of a weird one, but I think it's true. Okay. So I'm going to say that the, the monologue by Giovanni Ribisi in The Church is the definitive moment of the
1: film and also the definitive moment of Giovanni Ribisi's career. The moment in the church is the most definitive moment in the film as well as Giovanni Giovanni Ribisi's career. Yes. Doubles is both the definitive moment in Saving
0: Private Ryan and Giovanni Ribisi's career. And I say that because of this. For me, aside from the action in the opener, which it's mm. you can't really argue that the action in the opener is not the most impactful, because it is. The, yeah. opening mo- the opening of this movie... I mean, like... The easy thesis that I think we probably both thought about, which is one of the ones I threw away. Yeah, is like this is the greatest o- either opening to a film or that it's the greatest war sequence ever.
1: Yeah, the greatest war sequence ever, the greatest D-Day sequence ever, like whatever it may be, that is the greatest depiction of that day I believe in film.
0: If someone says that to you at a party, I almost you almost like don't even pay attention.
1: Yeah, so, I mean, like I was talking to my friend about, it, and like, oh yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, That's not a, it's not a conversation point.
0: Yeah, I mean, I don't even know what the I don't even know what second would be. Honestly, I do think actually some of the Lone Survivor fights and them going down the hill and everything are actually pretty yeah, and pretty like some incredible of
1: the classics, like an Apocalypse now and, yeah. like, Platoon and stuff like that. But still, this is this is different.
0: Yeah, it's just a different level. Um, the reason I say that is because I think so much of this movie is centered around young male G.I.'s' relationships to their mothers and their parents. That's what so much of this movie is about. I mean, they send a group of guys to save the fifth son so that the mother doesn't get the fifth-folded American flag Right. talking about her deceased son. And, again... They've just Vin Diesel has just died in the film he's written a letter to his dad Rabisi's sitting there and he's having a moment as he's copying down this letter and there's this just kind of lingering tone in the air all throughout the film which is that all these guys are like I want nothing more than to see my mother again and I may never get to see my mother again and I'm just a kid right every like every scene there's somebody calling out mama there's somebody talking about their parents that's like the whole backbone of the movie is that mm-hmm. and so in that moment, when if ever, he's having the moment he's he's copying down the letter and he's talking about it's I mean it's an incredible monologue and it brought me to tears watching it. Yeah,
1: me too. It brought me to tears and I and I stopped the movie, rewound it, and I also wrote it down for future monologues to audition with because it is perfect. Yeah. It's so it's just such a good,
0: good, good scene, and it's so like it's so real, and he's talking and he's like you, you, you just remember being a kid and doing things that you didn't understand why you did why you them, did them. them. Yeah. And also like that sort of like you're with your parents at all times, and you like almost resent your parents because they're your parents until mm-hmm. you realize how special your parents are and how important they are. And, and he's having that moment as he really is having the realization that I I probably won't ever won't get to see this, my mom yeah. again.
1: And he also has like that that small moment of regret, but it's like such a childish regret when he's talking about how I, I would I would just pretend I was asleep. I don't know why I did. I don't that. know why I did that. Yeah, and it's just this, It's just enough to where you're like God. I've done things like there's things like that that that, I've, that I hold on to, but in that moment with that much gravity, realizing that your life is about to end,
0: yeah, it's just perfect. I wanted to use it as my line thesis and fist pup, but yeah. <laughs> I used it as my thesis. And the reason I say that is that if you go look at the rest of Robisi's career, you know it's a tough, it's a tall order to be in to be a young GI in this movie at this time, uh, and and actually and, and watch your career as sort of a rising star for the next few years because inevitably. You have to you have to ascend to megastardom to ever live up to being in a better movie than this. Mm-hmm. Even the guys that that continued to do good work, it's like this is still top build on their IMDb because you have to be the Matt Damon if yeah. you really want to be the guy that that is remembered for something more. And unfortunately for BC. As his career went
1: He did do good work Oh he, he does fantastic work
0: You know his next few years Like the role In the next few years That I remember the most It's gone It's right? gone in 60 yeah. seconds I mean that's just the one That we watched as kids mm-hmm. Like he was
1: a big role He was like Not the second lead But he was an important character Definitely And he and he and he's just great in it he, Yeah he's, He kind of has that like He's about to lose it all the time, you know?
0: Yeah, he was definitely pegged for a few years there as, like, that guy. Mm-hmm. He was going to be one of those up-and-comers. It's like him... At, oh, sorry. Yeah. He kind of went dark in the mid-2000s there a little bit. Uh, and he's he's come back now, but it's, it's as much more of, like, a... Giovanni Ribisi is still around. He's still doing character work, and we're mm-hmm. still
1: willing to watch because we like him. Yeah, he was just in Ted... It was hilarious in it.
0: Yeah, but it's not the same thing as like this movie, and and the movies in the f- few years following, where you're like, oh, he's the next sort of like he's that next heartthrob young character actor who could be he's going to be like the second lead, you mm-hmm. know? Uh, and that's so anyway. This just this scene defines him. It's the most memorable moment of his entire career, and to me, it's the it's the defining moment of the movie.
1: I think that's a really interesting thesis. I want to say this really quick though to Jay Pope twenty three. He says this movie is so accurate that as a combat vet, I can. I can't even watch it anymore. So thank you for watching the episode. Thank yeah, you thank for you. your service. And um, I really do think that is a fantastic moment. But I actually disagree saying it's the most important part of the film. I actually think it's the scene with Steamboat Willie and Upham and Hanks revealing who he is and them letting him go and Sizemore and Burns exploding. And I think the reason why I, I believe that is because <clears throat> so much of this film is based on how many people are you willing to sacrifice to save one? And they talk about, like, you know... Thirty people died to save one general, or something, at some point later on, and and I just think it's so interesting because Upham is sitting there fighting, fighting to save Steamboat Willie's life. Yeah. Just the same way that all these guys are fighting to save Matt Damon's life, and you go and you fast forward to the end of the movie and you look at what Damon says, and at the very end he goes, you know, I've I've tried to do that, you know, like yeah, I right. tried to live my life, and that and that's great, but then you look at Steamboat Willie. And he was saved by Upham I And what did he do Yeah You know So I just think that that scene Has so much juxtaposition Of what's going on And you see it from the other side And like Again like I keep thinking about life Because uh, yeah. a lot of They talk about It's just survival Yeah That dude's just surviving He's just a German In war soldier Trying to survive Yeah He's not an evil person He's just doing what you would do. So, right. like, well, he—I mean, who knows if he's evil? But yeah, in, in, in the context of the story, In the context you're of the film, he's not evil. He's fighting for the other side. He's that's just what, fighting for the other side, is. doing what you should do as a soldier. Yeah. Um. So I just think that next scene is um, it, just that it, it's crazy to me. But I, I love yours as well. So my thesis for this film, out of the seven of them, which a few of them are like, Upham's the biggest bitch in film history ever. Yeah, right. Uh, Edward Burns is the true hero of this film. Yeah. Um. <laughs> tough to
0: defend. That's, it's a
1: tough one. <laughs> But I think what I my fist pump is is that this film has the saddest deaths of any film ever. Ugh. Oh, heartbreaking.
0: Um, heartbreaking deaths.
1: Absolutely heartbreaking. Like if you want to go from the least sad to the most sad, we can start with Vin Diesel. Yeah. Just trying to help a little girl out. Pretty get sad death. Shot too. struggling, dying out in the street slowly, and he holds up the letter for his dad. Like yeah. that's the first one. Yeah. You know? And then you go on to like Sizemore's, you know, he's just a badass. Ah, it knocked the wind out of me. You know, but yeah. then he, Hanks looks over and you see him. And you see Hanks, you know, and his getting shot by Steamboat Willie. These all are sad. Yeah. Giovanni Rubisi's death yeah. is heartbreaking. Heartbreaking. Like, screaming out for mama, asking how big the, big the wound is. Like, yeah. Uh, I, I wrote down the dialogue for it because it's just like, you know, how how big's the hole? How's it look? How's it look? Yeah. Put my legs up. And then at some point after that, he's like, he shot me. Yeah, and then and you he know, got how big's the hole? And then he's like, I want to go home. I want to go home. And then Hank's like, What can we do? He's like, I just want a little more morphine. Yeah, <sighs> yeah. But the Goldberg death is I can't even watch it. Yeah, I can't because it's just there's it just speaks so many volumes. Getting murdered by the Hitler Youth knife by that guy, that death is I think I like watching Requiem for a Dream. I like the last thirty minutes of Requiem for a Dream. Yeah, I cannot watch Adam Goldberg's death in this movie. Yeah,
0: it's so sad as as Upham's on the stairs. <laughs> Uh, right
1: there and he's the private that he's they're all rolling on top of yeah (sighs) yeah just can't yeah it's it's
0: brutal man no question um guys if you want to share your thesis statements we will we will shout them out anybody in here that wants to share that uh so moving on to the next part of the show guys we're getting into fist pump moment it's weird to talk about fist pump moment in a movie like this it's a very different type of fist pump yeah and I tried to think about a lot of the different ones fist pump moment guys if you're watching or listening for the very first time is that moment in a movie where something happens and you just kind of look around you're like god this is so sweet i get to watch the rest of this movie right now this is so awesome god i love this movie um and there's definitely a lot of those moments because this movie's great it's a mm-hmm. great 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 movie you know the one that i went with is the, such a small moment i would go with the rabisi scene in the church yeah because the rabisi scene in the church definitely is the moment that sticks with me the most in this movie yeah and it is it is the definition of a fist pump because it brings you to tears and it's not even bringing you to tears like in a goldberg dying way it's bringing you to tears like in a, this is like a really emotional part of the movie way yeah. um, that I relate to. But actually, I went something what's like much smaller. And it's just that he puts the crew together and there's that scene where they're coming over the hill and they're backlit and they're almost like silhouetted. Mm-hmm. It's right when they're first walking in the fields before they all start talking, and you see them come over the hill. And it's just like almost like a slow-mo silhouette of them coming over the hill, and I think you see the green of the grass, and they're just black silhouettes. Hmm. And it's just a great shot. Yeah. It's just, it's a great moment of composition for Spielberg. It's just, it's him understanding visuals. And Spielberg, by the way, is just, Spielberg's one of the great masters. His, his importance to our generation is, is much more important to... He's even more important to the older generation and the generation younger than us I think doesn't quite get it because unfortunately the last 10 years of Spielberg movies have been overall pretty
1: underwhelming. Yeah, they really have been and when you and I had that... Uh, when we Last week, if you guys want, you can go check out our Terminator episode. The two most iconic directors of our generation are probably Cameron and Spielberg, and the reason that you can argue, that we argue that Cameron is more timeless is because of the last decade.
0: Yeah. Yeah. His movies, he's made less movies, they've stood the test of time more. So, but there is just, there is that great, great eye for composition there, and I think Spielberg... Did get that, and, and I and I love that moment. So that's that's my fist pump. Just yeah, a just a real simple and, moment. And
1: it's just, it's such, <clears throat> it feels so appropriate for this film. I'm just going to read a few out that we have in chat here. Richard Jar- Jarvis says his favorite is when uh, Barry Pepper's up in the, the yeah. sniper tower, quoting and shooting. it. It's awesome. Um, another one are the ending when the plane flies by. You know, when I was a kid, I thought that Tom Hanks shot a bullet down the barrel and it blew up the tank. <laughs> <laughs> I told my friend about it. He's like, that's not what happened. <laughs> you know the planes flew? Up. I just was like, oh, right. I so I, was, I seem to remember having a similar conversation. I was like 10, you know, yeah, so yeah, like. Uh, you watched this when you were 10? I watched it, yeah. I watched it with mom, my mom and her boyfriend at the time. And I remember my mom like looking over at him being like, I don't think he should watch this. And me being like, I have to watch this. And she was like not happy. I don't think I watched this for a few years. Yeah, I watched it like right away. Um, so my fist pump. I think is is it's when it's just Sizemore at the end. His whole death sequence is incredible. So like all the way to when he gets like out of ammo, out of am- ammo, throw the helmet, yeah. and he shoots the guy like God, fuck you, fuck you, know. He's yeah, yeah. like, damn it, damn it, damn it. Walking around, he gets the wind knocked out of him yeah. and he says that. It's just he's just a badass. He's and like great. to think about what Sizemore was going through while filming this, yeah. Um that was like one of the few moments where you kinda gotta like chuckle and enjoy yeah. the mo- movie for a minute. Yeah. Uh, so I remember that happened, I was just like, yeah, that's what I do. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs>
0: uh big shout out to to uh to um Sorry, you just read his... Jarvie. uh Oh, Richard Jarvey. Richard Jarvey. sorry. Had a total brain fart. Big shout-out to Richard Jarvey. Thank you so much, by the way. Uh, I've been doing this show on Anchor every single day called Fist Pump Film Club, and uh, he called in, and he's doing... He's counting his 50 down with me. Oh, so he I'm, wrote...
1: He said something about that in the chat, saying that it was, like, brutal or yeah, horrifying Horrifying. horrifying. I think he's done.
0: So I'm counting my top 50 down. I've done 50 and 49. Yesterday I shared number 49 on my list, Just Friends. And uh, uh, and uh, Richard Jarvey shared his, which was a good year. Um, the Russell Crowe, uh, Ridley Scott movie from O three O four. I don't think... I've never seen Which it. I've never seen either, so thanks. And his number 50 was The
1: Grey. Which is sweet. Oh, that's sweet. It's a Liam. good,
0: it's a good one-two punch. So, uh, anybody who wants to get in on that, download Anchor. It's an awesome app. Find my station, Fist Pump Film Club, and share your thoughts. You can call in. I'll share
1: your call-ins. It's kind of like Twitter meets uh, podcasting. It's short-form audio blurbs. Uh, so, I'm yeah. just going to throw this in real quick because I know you've seen the Thin Red Line. Um, few people are talking about it in the chat. Yeah. How do you feel in comparison for the two? Uh,
0: Thin Red Line versus Saving Private Ryan. I will always say Saving Private Ryan is a true great epic film. It's a the script is perfect. It's the story's great. It, it does everything right. It's like a Spielberg doing exactly what Spielberg does best. Mm-hmm. The Red Line's a
1: Terrence Malick movie. Those are very different films. Ter- they, ter- they get a little long-winded sometimes.
0: And Terrence Malick is a he's a master of tone. He he like likes to basically put photographs, like long, long, long photographs, with beautiful music. Right. And there are these these, these, these like like that's like a philosopher's film, like disguised as a war film. When you watch then Red Line, it's nothing like this. It's really a completely different movie. um I love Thin Red Line, it's just that it doesn't feel anything like this movie.
1: Yeah, I, I agree. I, I mean, I've seen it a couple times, and I definitely feel like it's just, they're just indifferent. This movie, you can argue, as an action drama if you really want to. The Thin Red Line, you can't. Yeah, It's just a drama. You Absolutely, know? yeah. Uh, so moving on here to Star Profiles, we're going to look at where these guys were at in their career when they made this movie, and we're going to start with Tom Sizemore. Um... Sizemore was battling a drug addiction during production and Spielberg would tell him every single day he had to take a blood test. Every single morning before filming, he would have to take a blood test. And if ever one test was failed, no matter when they were in the movie, if they're on the last day of production, this is Steven Spielberg, he would fire him and replace him. No matter what. And reshoot the entire movie. Now, if he would have actually done that or not, I don't know if it was the last day of film, but it's Spielberg so he could. Uh, So what he had done, um, this this is when Sizemore was peaking, I think. This is Devil in a Blue Dress, Heat, the Relic, he goes on to do Black Hawk Down. Um, yep. he turned down the Thin Red Lied to be in this movie.
0: He's in, if I remember correctly, um Natural Born Killers in ninety mm. four. Doesn't
1: he have a cameo in point break? Yeah, more than a cameo. He's, yeah. he's, he's got like like a pretty a, good part, right? Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Uh, so and as you guys know, what's happened with Sizemore over the last half of his I mean the last part of his career is that um, that that addiction and that battle yeah, a toll on him, and Definitely. he kind of fell out and faded away.
0: At the end of the episode, we are going to do a Where Are They Now segment about the entire platoon. So this
1: is like the biggest, like most stacked cast without knowing about it. So
0: we'll talk about kind of everybody where they're at now. But yes, I agree with you. I think Sizemore was peaking. This was his moment. Um, he was just in a lot of good movies. He showed up in a lot of great stuff around then, and yeah, he really was that way for a few more years. So... He's, he's great. There was a lot of people up for the size More role mm-hmm. uh, that were close to getting it. Oh, yeah.
1: The Billy Bob one was hilarious. Yeah, Billy Bob Thornton turned down the role because he couldn't film the first scene because he's horrified of water, which is like, man, imagine being in that position where you have to turn down one of the greatest movies of all time yeah. because you have a phobia of water. So Crazy. Billy Bob, Billy Bob wasn't hurting for work or anything. No, he
0: did a lot of good work. I think he got Oscar nominations like in a couple of years there. Yeah, um, Sling, Sling Blade. Yeah, and I think he got nominated for... Uh, Something else right around there, I thought. But anyway, um, moving on to Tom Hanks, where Tom Hanks was at the time in his career. One of the interesting questions that we got on Twitter for the AMA question that I'll just throw in now is, uh, and, and I wish I could had it in front of me. I don't have it written down, but the question was: Is there an actor with a better decade than Tom Hanks' nineties?
1: Let's go. Let's go through so. the list.
0: Let's go just quickly go through the list. So you've got you've got Apollo. He wins back to back Oscars. You've got Gump and you've got Philadelphia Philadelphia, back to back
1: big is that 90s too big 80s 80s?
0: that's late 80s you've got in the 90s you've got uh, Gump you've got Toy Story Mm -hmm. you've got That uh, Thing You Do Apollo 13 that thing Um, yeah Apollo 13 you've got uh, what's it called Uh, She's Got Mail like oh, a, you've got mail. You've with got Meg Ryan. She just yeah. got me out, just She's got mail. got
1: Sleepless in Seattle's late eighties, right?
0: No, they're both nineties. Oh,
1: that's early nineties. Both of yeah. those
0: are both of those are nineties movies. Was so
1: funny. It was both of Meg Ryan and Tom Hanks. Um,
0: I feel like there's at least one other like super relevant nineties movie. I think Toy Story 2 is also in the nineties. Yeah, I'm pretty sure. Um,
1: or is it two thousand? I can't remember. And I think there's another big one that we're forgetting. Big at Philadelphia is big as early. Um, yeah, Forrest Gump. Oh well, point is. Oh, is
0: Green Mile ninety nine? I yeah. think the Green Mile is 99
1: uh, I don't know I just watched it I'm pretty sure it's 99 Anyway The the question is Is this the most iconic decade For an actor ever I don't know if there's an
0: actor That's got a better 90s Who
1: else would it be Or or a better decade Who are some of the people We've talked about Cruise uh, It's different
0: Cruise's Cruise's decades Are distinctly defined Hit In the 90s It's pretty big Fight Club yeah. Seven Those uh, the big ones His, his, his 2000s it's, he's It spreads better. out yeah.
1: Clooney Two thousands?
0: Yeah, I mean, just... For, I mean, okay, let's start start with back-to-back Oscars. There's, like, four times in history it's happened. Right. So th- you've already got that feather in your cap. That's, like, hard, hard to compete with that. <laughs> then you add in the definitive the definitive Pixar movie. Mm-hmm. You're the star of the definitive Pixar movie. Yep. Throw in Best Picture 94, right? <laughs>
1: <laughs> Throw in, uh, like, what, four more, three more leading actor nods? One for Gump, one for this, one for... Uh, Castaway's 2000. Cast... Oh, shit, that's the one it is.
0: But, I mean, Apollo 13, like something like five best picture nominations of movies you're in. I mean, I don't know if there's a better, I don't know if there's a better one for anyone ever. Like
1: I, I, yeah, I mean it's it's you're going to be really hard pressed to find that because that doesn't really happen for people where they're just not even Daniel Day-Lewis does things like that. Not even Leo does things you like that. You have to
0: work so much, but then on top of working so much, you have to just make hit after hit after hit after hit. And not even just financial hit after financial hit. <laughs>
1: Someone goes, she's got mails from the other guys, right? Which makes sense. Yes. That's what I said. And then someone just said Ben went full retard on that one. What
0: does he say? Because that's the line in other guys. He's like, the movie where where Tom Hanks gets poison ivy up his ass? She's got mail. Yes. She's got (laughs) (laughs) mail. It's wrong. It's interesting
1: because Jonas Tiger here says that... um, Gump is highly overrated, in my opinion. That's It's funny, because a lot of people do say that. A League of Their Own was another one. Oh, uh, yeah. A lot of people do say that, but... I completely disagree with that. Dumb's great. Dump's he great. is that person. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Uh, let's talk about our collective. No, no, this is not our collective. Let's talk about our top three Tom Hanks
1: movies. Right. Oh, so and uh, just real quick, if we just to give you the rundown Apollo 1395, Toy Story 95, and That Thing You Do in 96 were the three that he did leading up to this film.
0: Yeah. And a uh, big, you know, friend of the show, That Thing You Do, John Sheck. Yeah, yeah John fun. Sheck, our boy. He came on for Collateral recently. He did.
1: So if you guys want to check that out, he was the lead in that film. Yeah. And he's a really nice guy.
0: Yeah. And if you, uh, there's, a, I actually also did an interview with him for I Talk Movies just Right before that cool interview, Which is a lot of fun He tells a lot of great stories He was a good friend Of Bill Paxton uh, This was shortly Before Paxton passed It's it's a really fun interview You can find that here On the Popcorn
1: Talk uh, More than that though guys Let's talk Ooh, about Adam Sandler with the 90's Is a good point But there was still Bad movies in there let's Definitely going. yeah.
0: So let's talk about uh, Top 3 Hanks
1: Yeah are they ranked It's just top 3 I think just top 3 Okay It's a very um, difficult list Without today. Saving Private Ryan Right SPR uh, yeah, SPR's off the tip Okay uh, So then I go Toy Story I match I, that. I match that. As your three, yeah, yeah, you have to. I mean, it's one of the it's one of the greatest of all time. It is probably his most iconic voice, definitely. Uh, Career defining role would be an interesting conversation here. But it's tough because he has so many. I think yeah. Forrest Gump really is, but then Toy Story is so much more successful. Super, yeah. Massive. Uh, my next one is Castaway. The I know it's I've seen weird. It one time I've seen it once, once I, ever. I honestly have only seen it a couple times up until this year and it's on cable all the time we have HBO and I just watch it I, I will always say this um, I really think it speaks volumes about an actor when you can watch them on screen alone for like hours yeah uh, and, and like you know Tom Hardy did it in Lock. it wasn't that good Ryan Reynolds did it in Buried it was okay Daniel Day-Lewis does it in the beginning of There Will Be Blood and it's successful yeah but it's really hard to do uh, Matt Damon does it well on The Martian right he's really good and Sam Rockwell does it well on Moon but he has a robot to interact with So somebody
0: just called into my station by the way and talked about Buried somebody was it Jay Climber, Hammett... Somebody called in and was saying that they really, really enjoyed Buried. They they thought it was a highly underrated movie. I said Just Friends is is Reynolds' best movie next Uh to Deadpool,
1: and they said Buried is the movie you should watch. I could totally agree with that, because I really wanted to see Buried, and I just didn't. Yeah. So, um... Anyway, yeah, that was my second. Uh,
0: I will go Road to Perdition as my second film. <sighs> I love that movie. Um, more than Road to Perdition. I love the soundtrack to Road to Perdition. Mm-hmm. It's unbelievable. This was the last great film Paul Newman was in before he passed. Yeah, um, this is Hanks in his tail end of his real his real prime. Jude Law in a in an important role as as the assassin. Um, it's really 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 good. It's based on a comic book. It's like kind of a cross-country gangster movie. Hank's mm-hmm, yeah. protecting his son. Again, it's another movie I've seen one time. I've listened to the soundtrack a lot more times. I just remember it really sticking with me, and I it's loved this good, movie. good,
1: man, and Jude Law's creepy as hell in it. It's just it's just a good movie.
0: Yeah, both <clears throat> Spielberg and Hank's rankings are very hard, because there's, like, ten movies that I, I could put as movies that, like, I really like to love that movie. Yeah. But, but like... I want to talk about something a little more interesting. So, like, Road to Perdition for jumps in
1: for me because I just always remember feeling good about that movie. Then your number one has got to be Catch Me If You Can.
0: It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah.
1: Which is good because someone just mentioned that in the chat. That is your favorite, right? It's
0: my favorite Tom Hanks movie. It's, it's so weird. Uh, making this top 50 list, guys, I've met, now mentioned a couple times. I had to really go through the list, right? I had to think about, okay, what's every movie I've ever watched that I've really liked? And then I had to start thinking, I started to look at, like, actors who I really love and look at their filmographies and saying, like, is there a movie in here that I like more? And what I've come across with Catch Me If You Can is that,
1: okay, Hanks and Leo... Oh, really quick, just bigger boat movies, uh, Eddie is the guy that called in and said that. Okay, It was not Joel Hammond.
0: I shouted you out yesterday, Eddie, and thank you so much. I I was listening to him as I was driving, and I, I... Missed, I missed on that, so thank you for, for correcting me on that, but yeah, Bigger about Movies actually, Eddie posted on Anchor, you can check out his station there as well, Oh, cool. so um, yeah, thank you so much for doing that, it's been so much fun interacting with you guys there a couple of you called yeah. in and were like, I found you from AMA, and that's just been really cool
1: which I think is great, because I think our fans are just telling us they want us to be doing more content which you guys are going to be getting what you want relatively soon, there's a
0: big, big announcement coming pretty soon here, you guys are going to be real excited about
1: making it. moves,
0: so uh, yeah, it's just, catch me if you can Leo and Hanks Leo Hanks Spielberg. Yeah. That's like right there you're like yeah. what well, makes sense. Mm-hmm. If you go and watch this movie, it feels like watching Shawshank in the sense that like I can never turn it off when it when it comes on TV. Yeah. Ever. It's like it's so it's so appealing. It's like Leo it's the youngest version of Leo being the smartest guy in the room.
1: Yeah, and, and, and that movie, I don't... It is. It's like there's something hypnotic about that film, and I think it's the way, the pacing of it. Yeah. I, d- I, don't know, I don't know what it is. That movie's an anomaly to me. It's probably my fourth or fifth. Yeah. It's just so good.
0: I just love it. It's, it's like, I think it's the only Hanks movie that made my top 50. I think it's like number 41 or 42.
1: It's right and in there. that scene at the end. It's so... The, g- the battle of wits between the two of them, <sighs> both just lying out their
0: fucking teeth. It's so good. And his scenes with... What
1: walking. Oh, yeah. Every dad, scene, they're heartbreaking.
0: They're so good. They're so Th- good. This movie, that movie is so good. I, I'm obsessed with that movie.
1: Yeah, and, and my number one's Forrest Gump. Okay, you want to. And, I, and yeah. I know that a lot of people argue about that, but look, it's one of the greatest stories ever told in film, Um, and that role is incredible. There's not moments where you fall out of it, where you don't believe it. He's completely believable as Forrest Gump, and that monologue that he delivers to Jenny's grave at the end of the movie yeah. is one of the most heartbreaking just beautiful things ever in film yeah it was you left right yeah. I mean I miss you Jenny oh, it's so oh good. god every time when he yeah. says that I cry so yep. that, is, that is my number one Hanks
0: you know I have an interesting game to play here we've only done this once before on the show hmm. but uh, I kind of think it's fitting because of who he is god damn it I think we should do it <laughs> I think we should play the movie game on Hanks all uh, right Marissa, can we uh, can we get a, can we get a timer up on screen? Is that possible? Hate By the way, guys, if this, if this is if this is interesting to you, uh, it should be because Andrew and I won our very first ever match on the Schmodown, and a lot of the points we got came in the Tom Hanks category, which oh, yeah. our opponents got and they bombed on uh, the Knight Sisters, Emma Five and Joel Monique, good friends of ours. They just like missed a bunch of questions, and we stole all of them. Yeah. We got like we only missed one steal, but we did better on their category than they did. Uh, it was like a pretty remarkable. Uh, Oh yeah, he's writing some movies. Look, man, I can't do this. I'm freaking out. Okay. (laughs) So, guys, the way this works is Andrew and I will uh, each have uh, let's let's get like a uh, 20 second timer. I think that's fair because it'll only go to 20 probably towards the last round. So Andrew inevitably runs out and loses. Um, (laughs) So we're gonna go back and forth naming movies that Tom Hanks has been until one of us gets stumped, and that will be the winner. Uh, If you can, uh, I don't know if there's any way for you to play along. Maybe maybe if you're watching or listening and this is not live, if it isn't streaming, pause. Take yourself five minutes. See how many you can write down. See how well you do. He's been in a lot of movies, Um, so I'm gonna go ahead and just say, ready to roll. Look, man, I'm I'm getting there. All right, I'm gonna start. All right, go ahead. Toy Story, Toy Story two, Toy Story three. I give up. (laughs) (laughs) Saving Private Ryan. All right, I'm gonna say Forrest Gump. Uh, I will say five. Philadelphia, Philadelphia. Okay, I'm gonna say Catch Me If You Can. I'll say Big. Okay, I'm going to go ahead and say Castaway. Uh, I'll say Sleepless in Seattle. I'm going to say She's Got Mail. <laughs> That's not a
1: real movie, Ben. <laughs> you lose.
0: Oh, the timer's supposed to be for, uh, wow, we did all that in 20 seconds, for if one of us gets stumped. So we'll, we'll hit that timer uh, in the later rounds. Actually, we're probably good without the timer, Marissa. I was wrong about that. I appreciate it. Marissa Serafini's in the booth, by the way, everybody. We were so excited that we just we missed it and we didn't introduce her. Marissa, how are you doing today? Hey, Marissa. Hi, boys. How are
1: you? Good. Excellent. Just hanging out. So you went Sleepless in Seattle? And you went. She's got mail, which is not a movie. (laughs) She's got mail. Uh, I will go. Joe versus the volcanoes. Volcano. It's just singular. It's seven volcanoes. Actually, (laughs) I'm going to say Da Vinci Code. Uh, Then I'll say Angels versus Demons. And it's angels and demons. I said angels and demons. I'm going to say Inferno. (laughs) (laughs) Who's not a real movie? Uh, I'll say Lady Killers.
0: (laughs) Ooh. Okay. I'm going to say The Terminal. He's been in so many movies.
1: Uh, Apollo 13.
0: Okay. Um, We already did Big. You'll say Apollo 13. Yeah. I'm going to go ahead and throw in the Polar Express.
1: Uh, I will do that thing you do then.
0: Okay, you're going to go with that thing. So then I'm going to go with the circle. It comes out this weekend.
1: You can't do that. It's not out yet. Okay. <laughs> it's
0: a rule. <roll. laughs> so, it's a goddamn rule, so man. You're so angry. <sighs> uh, the timer's ticking. I'll go
1: Dragnet. Shit. <laughs> uh, devil in a Blue Dress? Not in that. <laughs> not in that. <laughs> ah, damn it. Cars. He's he in cars? the woody car. In Cars. Okay, so we'll go pool. Cars too. He's not in cars too. He's
0: not in cars no, too. No, he's
1: not. You're positive about that? I'm positive. Okay, fine. Turner and Three, two. Turner and hooch. Uh I don't know. <laughs> uh, I give
0: up. The man with one red shoe? The I verbs. Just, I just don't want to keep wasting. Punchline? The money pit. Ah,
1: ah! <laughs> 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 All right, moving on. It's funny that you've brought that game up without telling me twice in a row on the show. Interesting how that happens, isn't Interesting. it? Interesting. Hmm, I'm going to start bringing up games on my own, too, Ben. She's got mail. How many words can you say in Korean? Go. I lose. I win! <laughs> Kimchi? Right. What's next? Uh, is that a word? Korean? All right.
0: Moving on. Captain Phillips. British <laughs> of
1: Spies. Uh, all right. So moving on to production <laughs> development. I hate you. Um... <laughs> So uh, a couple of things that are interesting about this. This is the last film that was edited on a non digital editing system to win uh, best editing in the Academy Awards. I just think that's cool because I can't even imagine how much film Was yeah. on the floor in that room,
0: especially how long the movie is. I wonder how much they cut out. You know, like uh, I wonder. I
1: yeah, if there was like a director's cut.
0: Yeah, probably. I don't even. Yeah, I wouldn't even. I wouldn't even
1: know where to start. Uh, This movie was written by Robert Rodot If you want to take that since I know you did the work on that Yeah yeah
0: Robert Rodot Uh, These are a lot of guys we've covered actually in the past So uh, Rodot most famously also wrote The Patriot (sighs)
1: <sighs> I'm leaving. I realize that I'm pretty upset about this. Uh,
0: he also wrote The Patriot. That's the last it's time we covered it. Favorite movie ever. Yeah, it's, a great, it's a great film. He's a great writer. Um, he worked on the revision of the script for uh, 10,000 BC. Uh, he did some revisions on Thor, The Dark World. He did do a screenplay for Warcraft, but it was ultimately not used. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, he's worked with you know good people for a long time. And then he did create the show uh, Falling Skies, which that's like his big... People
1: love that show. I've never watched it. Yeah, I haven't yeah. watched it either.
0: Yeah, I, I interviewed one of the stars of it at one point, and uh, it tracked, so I think I think people do like the show. Yeah. Um, so that's pretty much Robert out. There was a bunch of stuff in here about, like, people that he's worked with and, mm-hmm. like, uh, th- apparently, like, the draft of the script is based on an earlier story from another war. Um, he had done some... Uh, Frank Darabont had done some uncredited rewrites on this script. Right. Um... But one thing that I thought was super. Oh, oh yeah, a couple things. One the Damon story. Yeah,
1: yeah, that's a cool thing.
0: Yeah, Matt Damon improvised his like his little monologue at the
1: end. Yeah, he stole it from a book, The Gross, by Peter Bart. And um, oh, I didn't know that. Yeah, and what you can tell when you're when you're watching it is like, he that monologue might be one of the greatest moments in his career. Yeah, honestly, because the way yeah. he sells it and like he goes back to it and then like how it is after when he then you know afterwards he can see his brother's faces. Yeah, right. Um. But yeah, what's so cool about it is that the crew was watching it, and it's like rambling and not funny or interesting, but Spielberg loved it so much. Yeah. Uh, and no one else wanted to put it in the film, but Spielberg was like, no, that's going in the film, and it's perfect, because you're sitting there, and I think the best part about it is Hank's look on his face. Right. This is just some dumb kid yeah. from Iowa that doesn't... Why? Yeah, he's Why like these his, far,
0: like his farm boy brothers right. and this ugly girl. It's like girl. the story, and Hanks yeah. is kind of sitting
1: there listening. Hanks is like, i got a family back home. I teach kids. I coach baseball. People I have, a have life. died people, to save you. People have died to save you, and there's people waiting on me back home. You can't even remember what your brother looks like. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? So it's just something about that. Um, but yeah, it's, it's just a great monologue.
0: Yeah, it's really good. Something um, that I thought was really interesting as I was reading about this film, and I had a conversation with someone last week about this. But I think it's probably the three of their relationships to Tom Hanks that makes me feel like there's this relationship here. Mm -hmm. Have you ever thought about the relationship between Frank Darabont, Robert Zemeckis, and Steven Spielberg in the 90s?
1: No, not really, but I like when you when you go back and you do the math and you think about all the movies that they did.
0: Like so we last week we talked about Zemeckis cuz I was blown away when I looked at how many yeah. movies he had made. Right. Zemeckis and Spielberg are like much more on par in terms of actual number. They've mm-hmm. made a lot of classics between the two of them. Even things as simple as like Zemeckis directing all of the Back to the Futures, Spielberg directing all of the Indiana Joneses. Right. There's a lot of that sort of crossover of very notable movies. And then Darabont, obviously is most famous for having done both Shawshank and Green Mile. Yeah. But if you think about the 90s, like, Tom Hanks worked with Darabont on Green Mile. He worked with Darabont on... Or he worked with Zemeckis on Forrest Gump. He worked with Spielberg on... on uh, what's it called? This movie. Saving Private Ryan. <laughs> and he worked with Zemeckis again on Cast Away in 2000. Right. It's like he worked with those three guys repeatedly. He went back to Spielberg, like, four or five more times. It's funny, because he...
1: Uh- Spielberg doesn't really work with a lot of people usually. He likes to just work on his own.
0: Yeah, yeah. I just think it's like so interesting. It's like, did those three guys benefit from Tom the greatness of Tom Hanks? Or did Tom Hanks benefit from the
1: greatness of these three guys? Both. I think it's both, for sure. Yeah. I really do, because I think, no matter what you say about Tom Hanks, that dude does a great job You know, in everything he does. Even if the movie's not good, he's still believable. Always. Always. No matter what. And that's really all that you're asked to do as an actor. I don't care what you say. All that you're supposed to do is tell a story honestly. Really. You said earlier
0: maybe we're on or off camera that Tom Hanks is the greatest everyman in film.
1: Yeah, I think so. Who would be the second? Harrison Ford, maybe? Probably, right. I think so, because he's he's like... He lost his wife a lot of times. He lost (laughs) his wife a lot of times and his kids. uh, He's been in comedies. He's been... He's done everything, you know? Yeah, yeah, they both... And neither of them were ever, like, jacked or shredded or superheroes, you know what I mean? Like, even Ford as indie wasn't ever, like... Denzel's a pretty great everyman. Yeah, for sure. Yeah, he but he feels he's more a noble savage. Yes, <laughs> he, he feels more movie starry. He does. Then those just guys. About, the thing about their delivery too, I think Hanks is the best at it. Yeah, there's no movie stardom behind his delivery. No, it's just a man. Whereas Denzel could say anything, and you're like,
0: cool. Hanks has the movie star charisma though. He's got he's got the he's got the charm. You know. Yeah. Hanks has like yeah, yeah, yeah. he has the all sort of like the all time
1: charm. Um, yeah, I mean, and, and you, you got to remember that, like, in the 90s, Tom was the everyman guy you fell in love with. Sleep in Seattle and she's got mail. And <laughs> she's got mail. I can't remember what it
0: was, but there was some something, like an article I read once that was, like, a role that would normally only go to the Toms. It was, like, written in the early 2000s, uh-huh. and it really made you realize that, like, in the 90s, Tom and Tom were kings. They were, yeah, absolutely. They were the two people that if you were going to have a franchise movie, you could base it around Tom Hanks if you wanted it to be relatable, mm-hmm. or Tom Cruise if you wanted it to be an action
1: movie. Or, or like a, Will Smith if you wanted to be a comedy. Yeah. Action, action comedy. <laughs>
0: if you wanted it to go down 20 years later yeah, as a comedy. Exactly. Um, yeah, I just I think that's super, super interesting. But anyway, uh, I was trying to like pivot back to another point that I completely forgot about. Um, we'll continue moving down the line. So Spielberg... <laughs> what's there to what, fucking say. Right,
1: like if you don't know who Steven Spielberg is, then just remember Close Encounters the Third Kind, Indiana Jones, AI, <laughs> he's won several best directors and best pictures and there's list saving private Ryan, <laughs> all of the uh indie films, E.T., Jurassic Park, Jaws, 8.5 billion dollars at the box office. What else is there to talk about?
0: Like this is the this is the <laughs> difference. James Cameron's made like seven movies Steven Spielberg has made seven bad movies since making, like, ten of the most classic movies ever made. Like, take his seven last movies out of the picture, and yeah. he still has E.T., Jaws, Close Encounters, Forrest Gump, or not Forrest Gump, Saving Private Ryan,
1: Schindler's List, all the indies.
0: Amistad, all the indies. He's got, like, 12 classics, minus his, you know,
1: and it's not... <laughs> it's funny we never even talked about War of the Worlds on this episode yet.
0: Yeah, or the fact that Lincoln got, like, a 13 Oscar nominations, yeah. and we're all just like, yeah, that movie didn't happen.
1: Yeah, it didn't. What the fuck is with Lincoln? I don't know, and it bothers me. I don't <laughs> we get we it. We lost a trivia show because we couldn't figure out a movie where someone had one best actor and a or best picture in a whatever film. And like, I love Daniel Day Lewis, and I, it's just what it's like is with that movie. It's The Great White Buffalo.
0: It's like we're colorblind to Lincoln. I don't get yeah. it. It's like something about that movie. We we forget that it exists. You'll notice that on the game we played, neither of us mentioned Lincoln. It came out four years ago and got thirteen nominations or something.
1: With one of my favorite actors of all time. With one of the greatest directors of all time. I
0: think collectively our favorite actor of all time. Yeah. I mean, Spoisey is my favorite, but in terms of acting ability, there's no one. It makes no sense. You've not seen it, right? I've not even wanted to see it. Nor have I.
1: Bizarre. That's a weird thing with Steven Spielberg. (laughs) Um,
0: So, anyway, Spielberg, though, as well as directing this film, also produced this film with a group of guys, Ian Bryce, Mark Gordon, Gary Levinson. So, all of these are guys we've talked about in the past, actually. Mm -hmm. Levinson and Gordon uh, are two of the major producers on here. They worked with Roland Emmerich a whole bunch. So Day After Tomorrow, 2012, or some of the movies they've worked on. A lot of, like, 90s stuff, like The Jackal, Hard Rain. Yes. The Jackal. (laughs) Ian Bryce uh, has worked on a ton of different stuff, going all the way back to our second or third episode that we ever worked on, uh, Speed. Oh, Uh, yeah. He produced Speed so but also like a huge huge list of stuff um, all the Transformers yeah uh, 1985's uh, Ewoks The Battle for Endor um, <laughs> World War Z yeah big movies you know they're making World War Z sequel World War Z what like that World War Z Shmo World War Z huh oh is that one of our ones that we that we <laughs> got <gotten> right
1: <laughs> let's just say it was on the show yes
0: um, so, anyway, that's pretty much the group. Spielberg, though, interestingly enough, has over 150 producing credits.
1: Yeah, he's produced more than he's directed, and, again, the money is just in Astounding. Yeah, yeah, we can throw up his box office here in a second. We'll talk about it in a minute.
0: So, before we move on from Spielberg, a couple things. One, I think we want to do a collective top five on Spielberg. Um, I think that seems like a good idea, considering all of the movies we've just been rattling off.
1: Yeah. Yeah, uh, yeah, I think I think you do do a collective top five. And, guys, if you want to do a, a top five with us, please put it in the chat or at AMA Podcast. Let us know. We're going to try to zip through this. Uh, fifth for us we're not. These aren't entirely ranked But we'll just say the first one we're mentioning Is is the indie series
0: Yeah, I think uh, there's varying
1: opinions <laughs> It's funny because a lot of people say Raiders of the Lost Ark is the best Henry, 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 <laughs> Henry, Henry, Henry God damn it uh, And then you, like Last Crusade Last Crusade's the one that I watched growing up I think I've only seen it a couple times Temple of Doom is the one I watched growing the up The Ball, right? The Ball, or what do you mean? Or is the Ball and Raiders? I don't know. Oh, the ball Ball's or? and Raiders, yeah Or... No, it's in Temple, but that's also the the monkey brains and the right. heart. Yeah, and yeah, 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 yeah. Oh. He tears it out his chest. Yeah, yeah, it's just yeah, awesome. Right. So, yeah, indie movies, and I think if you ignore those, we'd get crucified. Yeah, except
0: for Crystal Skull, because so that's bad. Yeah, didn't, and didn't, there's ha, a fifth one happen. coming out with uh, Chris Pratt in the lead, right? Mm-hmm. Not the to, to deal. Yeah. Um, so, the indie movies, number... We can throw it in again, just because I know we've already talked about it. Catch Me If You Can, we can collectively say, is not necessarily number four, but is on the list. I think we both like that movie. You mentioned earlier it was probably top four or five yeah, for absolutely. you. Yeah, absolutely.
1: I love Catch Me If You Can. Um Minority Report?
0: Yeah, definitely. We've covered Absolutely.
1: that on the show that, I have learned to love that movie more and more every time I watch it. It's always on cable again. That is maybe... Nah, nah, nah. Let's keep going. I don't want to say anything crazy.
0: Quick thought. Well, remind me to come back to this, because I have a point that I want to make about Minority Report. Mm-hmm. Um, I would say probably number number two for us or on the list is Jurassic Park.
1: Oh, definitely Jurassic Park. The Lost World. <laughs> Obviously. <laughs> no, just Jurassic <laughs> one Park. one with William H. Macy?
0: I think he's in three for some reason. Oh, is Lost World the second one? Second one's the one with yeah, yeah, with that's uh, right. Vince Vaughn and Julianne Moore? Is that right? And the third one's the one with Liam H. Macy and Laura Dern comes back, maybe?
1: Oh, God, or, I don't know. Or, that, or, that that series really went off, went off the went rails. off to the deep end. Yeah. Though the
0: world seems to love Jurassic World, Roxy Stryer especially.
1: <laughs> you and I hated
0: that movie. Yeah. <laughs> we, were, we were not fans. We were not fans. And there's another one of those coming out. Yes, there is. Um, and then
1: number one is Schindler's List, which... How do you... I mean... Yeah, I mean... It, it's uh, it's just like this movie. It's the perfect depiction of something that you don't always want to know about or watch.
0: I think another one of the AMA questions that came up was, is this Spielberg's best movie? And the only movie really, that you in my argue, opinion, would be Schindler's List. Yeah. It's Schindler's List or Saving Private Ryan. I mean, there's the whole multitude of other movies we've mentioned all could be in a conversation. And somebody would say Jaws is his best movie. Somebody right. would say E.T. is his best movie. Mm-hmm. You can make the arguments. But in terms of actual longevity and movies that that will last that people want to
1: watch over and over again those are the those are the two those are two films that are absolutely and will always be unequivocally timeless all the other movies that he does they're going to age because there's special effects in them et all the indie movies like it's not that they're not good jaws is aged. jaws is great but it's aged it's not scary anymore it's 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 a it's nostalgic yeah um but Saving Private Ryan is Schindler's List you could watch 50 years from now they could have came out today and they'd still you would believe it
0: yeah yeah Schindler's List uh, it's great I, I haven't seen it in a long time
1: it's really hard to watch and yeah. and Ray Fiennes is just the biggest piece of shit you've yeah. ever seen on camera incredible though
0: who plays in The Pianist who plays the Adrian Brody no but the Nazi I mean the...
1: oh the one that saves him yeah. I can't remember his name, but he, he's... It's not, so I was thinking it was Ray Fiennes. No, it's not. It's, he looks similar, but yeah, that guy's that guy's great. Yeah. Awesome. I haven't seen a penis
0: since it came out. Also, oh, just heartbreaking. Heartbreaking, yeah. right. Um, All right, so movie... Oh, sorry. So the thing I wanted to point out, though... So this is something I thought about, and I thought a lot about this with Spielberg, because I feel like you'll, you'll agree with me on this. The defining characteristic of Spielberg movies is that he uses these little moments to punctuate his scenes and they don't, they don't matter to the story. Like, mm. so a, a great example of this is in saving private Ryan. When he, they're, they're in the the trenches and that guy takes a bullet to the helmet and, and Hanks is like lucky son of a bitch. And then he gets shot in the head. Yeah. It's like, it's like set up, set up punchline. Yep. You know? And it's the same thing. It's like minority report where it's like, they're flying around with the jetpacks and it's like the guy in the jetpack, they go through the floor and there's the kid playing, practicing saxophone. And he's, like, looking at them. And you're like, it doesn't matter to the story. Oh, right, right. But Spielberg adds stuff like that because it's, like, it's these sort of little, like, he wants to punctuate his scenes with these, like, memorable moments that don't actually matter. Yeah. That guy taking the bullet in the head doesn't matter. We'd seen six Mm -mm. guys next to Hanks get taken out. Like,
1: it's totally irrelevant. Yeah, you got the guy walking, holding his own arm on the beach. You got the guy that drowns, that doesn't even make it to the beach. He doesn't even get shot. Yeah. He just falls off the damn boat and drowns. Yeah. small things like that that... It just creates a world.
0: It's just so interesting, these like little moments. I-, I was thinking about that more and more. It's like I think it's one of his big things as a director that he does is he likes to he sees the opportunity. Let's just throw in that little yeah. that
1: cute moment for a second. Like when the Move daughter on. gets given back to her father. Yeah. You could have just cut the scene of her running back up, but he lets it go on along a little bit longer and the dad apologizes and the girls like yelling and hitting him and in the face. Him. Like and it's just cute and it's like endearing a little bit yeah
0: it's like it's like the portrait that he paints or something is that much more rich because he throws in those little moments
1: yeah I. Lo- uh, by the way you guys are talking about Inbrews with Ray Fiennes in there Inbrews is yes. one of my favorite movies <laughs> great, he's great. amazing in that movie um, <laughs> who steals the movie though? Brennan Gleason it's Brennan Gleason with yeah. his RAR uh, what was I going to say oh uh, another part of the, this movie was just a really quick shot that is does speak volumes. Well, there's Tom Sizemore gathering the dirt, which is just cool yeah, it's because cool thing, it's just yeah. a small thing. But it's at the very end when Hanks' hand stops shaking. Yeah, that's a shot you have to have. but right. It was just so subtle, and then you were you were like reminded, like, oh wow, he's finally at peace. He's finally at peace. Yeah.
0: Before we get into critical and box office, question for you: one thing, one thought that I had while watching this movie was, <sighs> looking back on it today, how important are the bookends?
1: That's such an interesting question. I think they're irrelevant.
0: I found myself thinking definitely at the beginning it seemed irrelevant. Mm-hmm. Definitely at the beginning this it felt like this feels like the beginning of the rock. I don't need yeah, this. It totally did. Yeah. At the end it was like it made I miss it, you so much. A, <laughs> a little more a little more sense. But even in the end, I was like he's he asks her if he's lived a good life and he says, I've tried. I've tried to do what you said. We don't know if he's lived a good life. It almost you doesn't don't. matter if he's lived a good it life, and it's almost—it it, it takes away
1: from it. It does, and and because he's just a kid. He's just a kid, and also, you're taking away the last line of the movie from Tom Hanks. You're taking away the earn it from him. Yeah, that's the best part of their relationship. That's the whole the whole before and after, is all in tribute to that line. Yeah, you don't need. It's like. It's like an improv when you pull out a gun and you say, I've got a gun. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I don't need you to do that. I can see you got a gun. Indicating. Indicating, yep. yeah.
0: Yeah, I, I just, like, the more I thought about it, the more I was just like, that feels like the one the one misstep, the one unnecessary moment in the movie. It really does. It's so weird. It's the same thing as... It's actually the same thing as Green Mile. that the, mm. All that shit, mm-hmm. the, the cutback stuff, feels like when you watch it, you're like, I'm going to get where the short story had to go somewhere. You right. couldn't just tell this story and have it be this long. But all the stuff about... Supernatural and living forever It's like This is just not good Extra It adds the movie in a way It doesn't That movie aged pretty poorly Yeah I was I just watched it for the first time Last week And I was kind of like Man this is not very good That's
1: one of the ones You'd have to have watched When it came out To appreciate it now I think is Yeah You know Um, All right, so moving on to Critical and Box Office This is going to be very Interesting to talk about Because this movie Was incredibly successful Yeah Uh, DreamWorks produced this movie For only 70 million dollars I think that might be What blew my mind More than anything in this Yeah This movie only cost seventy million dollars, and like uh, ten million of it or something was spent on the f- the beach. Yeah, it was mm-hmm. like it took four weeks uh, to f- to film that that Normandy uh, day scene and they would just move like inches up the beach yeah. and shoot. So uh, $70 million to <clears throat> produce it or to make it and it opened July 24th in 1998. It grossed $216 domestic an additional $265 uh, worldwide for a grand total of $481 million. This was the first movie for DreamWorks to uh, cross $100 million at the box office and it opened at no- number one uh, at $30 million. So I pulled his top 20 adjusted. Rarely do we pull
0: domestic adjusted. We usually pull worldwide all time. Uh-huh. The reason I did it is because he's been making blockbusters since the 70s. So it didn't feel fair mm-hmm. uh, to go with unadjusted. I felt like for movies like E.T. and Jaws, you had to pull the adjusted. Right. So if we can get that blown up a little bit, Marissa... Yeah, you have
1: to pull adjusted for someone that's been around for 30, 40 years. And
0: just start at the top and scroll down so we can see. It's pretty interesting. Uh, you, I would have thought this was higher. It ends up only looks like it's like 8th maybe? 1, 2, three, four, Wait, five, what's Wait, what's 2nd? Or tenth. Uh, it looks like you got E.T. followed by, I think that's Jaws. Oh, yeah. Uh over a billion after Adjustment. <laughs> Jurassic, Raiders of the Lost Park, Close Encounters, Temple of Doom. Raiders of the Lost Park. <laughs> Lost World, She's Got Mail. No, just kidding. Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade, Saving Private Ryan. Um, SBR is number 10. You see that? Yeah. Number 10 after Adjustment. A movie that made Four, in its time. Yeah. Two, I mean, we're, and this is just domestic, but in 1998 made 216. billion. A
1: quarter of a billion dollars, essentially, in 88. But, yeah. I mean, you got to think E.T. and Jurassic Park and Jaws. Because they're like, older, the inflation yeah, matters more. Yeah, bigger. Yeah, the
0: statistic's are a little weird. Um, I don't really think that that's the most accurate statistic, but I thought that that was a pretty interesting list. I was other, a surprised. Other
1: than the Crystal Skull, like, look at that list.
0: Yeah, it's crazy. No. Yeah, it's an insane list. Perfect.
1: Uh, so, critically, this movie has an 8.6. It's number 29 on the top 250. Um... This is one of those times where I feel like you and I probably see pretty close to eye to eye on that, and feel like it's pretty pretty legitimate. Yeah, definitely. I I mean,
0: it was so weird for me watching this after, like I said, putting Lone Survivor in my top fifty and then watching this movie. It's like, right, right. You know, it's like kind of a joke to even compare. It's them. not a joke because Lone Survivor is highly underrated. That movie's really good. It's not. A, people think that movie is like all like America. It, yeah. it is, and it's not. It's a really good movie, but this is like a. A an all time piece of cinema history. This is a piece of art. Yeah, like, literally. But I still don't think I would replace it. I don't think this would pr- go in my top fifty. You don't think this
1: makes your top fifty for any of those movies? It's just like that's crazy to me, man. What I realized when I looked at the list because I did the I did the one fix I mm-hmm. mentioned
0: last week, which was I found room for Transformers: The Animated. <laughs> movie. She's got Raiders of the Lost Ark. <laughs> <laughs> I I kicked off. Slumdog Millionaire What? Yeah For what? Transformers the animated movie
1: Oh my god dude (laughs) Alright I can't even listen to you right now Uh, Really? I love Slumdog Huge fan Look I know Transformers is great But like
0: Uh, But this this is what I was just alluding to This is what I was getting at What I realized about the top 50 Is that it has more to do with memories Associated with numbers of times You've watched a movie like for instance, if you made your top fifty movies of all time, mm-hmm. I would not be shocked if *Lethal Weapon* four made your top
1: fifty. It would not, but I can see why you would say that.
0: Because you might just run through your movies I and be like,
1: "Love that movie!" Right? I yeah. mean, for this, for instance, *Con Air* would probably make my top fifty. And then from a quality perspective, you know that you you can think of fifty movies that you could say are higher quality. I could literally list fifty movies right now that are better than that.
0: Even even than *The Patriot*, but you would put *The Patriot* in your top fifty.
1: Probably. Yeah, and *Last Samurai*.
0: Yeah, because. You watched them a shitload of times. You loved them. I they loved meant them. something really, really special to you. Yeah. And even though you can think of better movies, it's like, yes, Slumdog's objectively a much
1: better movie. But like, I would never be able to argue against movies like Shawshank and Saving Private Ryan, and you know what I mean. Like those movies just have to be in there for me. True. And and
0: Saving Private Ryan, that's like I said, I haven't watched this movie since in over ten years. It's right. possible that this will sit with me more and more, and the the more I think about it. But I, ha- I wasn't compelled to go back and watch this
1: movie. You're was so thing. screwed with this list, man. Yeah. Especially because after a year, you're going to be able to put La La Land and Logan on it. I know. You have to bump off two more. Hot in- Rod many- and
0: Just Friends. <laughs> right.
1: <laughs> what a shame! Uh, all right, so back to Critical. This movie got an 8.6, and it was number 29 of all time. Uh, it follows our algorithm with a 92% by all critics, 89% by top, and a 95 by audience. This movie was nominated for, I think, eleven Academy Awards. One, two, yeah, and uh, it won five: uh, director, of cinematography, sound, editing, and effects in sound effects.
0: It's one of the all-time. Uh, how the hell did Shakespeare and Love beat this? It's like that's like one of the all-time questions.
1: Which is so crazy because I think I, Marissa might even be one of the people, but there's been a, a handful of people that I've said this about Roca. Was Roca one of them? <laughs> he, he loved Shakespeare. He, it in was, Roca was one of them as yeah. well. Yeah. yeah, where they're like, I completely agree with that award. I think yeah. Shakespeare in Love should have won. Was that you, Marissa, or am I just making that up? Yeah, it was both of us real myself. Unbelievable. It's hard. So
0: I, I haven't watched it since we had this conversation last time, so it, I still can't speak It's just like to what it.
1: this movie speaks to for American history and film history, it just seems impossible. Um, but hindsight's twenty twenty. 20 I mean, thing.
0: Spielberg won the Oscar for director. It's really difficult to argue when the director wins... Those those examples where the movie where the director wins one thing but the like they don't add up. It doesn't happen wrong. where you
1: yeah. Anytime a movie gets eleven nods, like
0: you go back to Crash, Brokeback. Cra- <laughs> Crash is not as good as Brokeback. Ang Lee won for Brokeback for some reason they gave it to Crash. Didn't this year Moonlight beat La La Land? But Chazelle won, or or did was it they both direct? Both awards went to Moonlight. Do we does anybody know that?
1: I think director went. Damien won Yeah Damien did win For Exactly Exactly yes we both And the so. Moonlight wins Big Picture even though Lala it, Whatever yeah. um, Okay so moving on uh, It was nominated for uh, On top of that Picture leading actor Screenplay Set decoration Makeup And the music slash score yeah. Which was by Murphy I believe um, So our, what's coming up next Is our favorite line Favorite line Yeah um, This is weird
0: Because so many it, of the Favorite tough. lines are tied Into other things We've, <laughs> we've mentioned a lot of them have you? Have we talked about the scene in the church
1: with Giovanni Uh <laughs> <laughs> um,
0: Yeah, it's it's hard, man. There's a lot of there's a lot of uh, yeah. I, I wouldn't. I really wouldn't know where to start with favorite line. There's so I like because I've already said the ones that were in my mind is my favorite. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, shit, man. I really don't know. I really don't know. I think I think our one the one line that I do really like is when they're all about to go take on that Gunner and he's like who's going left? Who's going left? I know and he's like I'll go left. Person. And then, yeah, and then Sizemore's like maybe I should go left. He's like maybe you should shut up. Yeah. And I like that moment a lot. I like that line and I like that moment because it's like he's just like I'm the commanding officer and I've said what I'm going to say and you didn't offer in the first
1: place. Why are you talking? Yeah, why what are you doing? Shut up. Yes. yes. Yeah. And you know, I love the Burns and Sizemore. Yeah. Yeah. Burns is really good in this. Ed Burns Everyone is great. Is, Goldberg Burns Pepper we're going we're about to get into it. Everyone's perfect, and That's this is another one of those things I talk about. I say it in Requiem for a Dream, and I say it in Boogie Nights. I think if you have the right direction, anyone can be – f- not anyone, but yeah. actors that are normally mediocre can be Oscar-worthy.
0: Right. She's got mail. She's got um, mail, yeah. definitely. <laughs> What's uh, your favorite line?
1: <laughs> my favorite line is um, – it, it definitely feels a, a bit cliche. I mean, it's obviously the R- Ribisi speech, I and mean, it's him dying. Those are Those are great, but it's earn it. It's when Hank line, says yeah. earn it and the reason it's my favorite is because it feels cliche, it feels like it, it's what has to be said right, he's about to die and they saved him and he sacrificed right. everything, but the amount of weight that is on that line and the delivery that he does, which is just what we talked about, there's no movie stardom behind it, Yeah, it's literally like huh, well they were right Right. everyone's dead all to save this one kid and we don't know anything about him or if he deserves it or not,
0: and it's. I also love that it, it happens right after like what is ultimately just such a Spielbergian scene of the tank moving towards him and him shooting at a tank with a handgun. Yeah. That's such a great, iconic, memorable
1: moment um, in the movie, right? Like, Yeah, and it's like, for some reason, they, the guys in there can't actually hit Hanks on the ground. And yeah. Like, yeah, it's just... It's just great. It's great, yeah. I agree. Yeah, earn it.
0: Um, So let's get into where are they now, guys. We have decided to revisit this entire character actor, laden Cast, and discuss what happened to their careers and where they are now. We are running low on time, so we're just going to do a quick run-through on each of these guys. I'll kind of sound off. You'll (laughs) sound off. Um, First and foremost, Tom Sizemore, rising star. This was definitely, as we mentioned, his peak. Mm -hmm. His next few years were big with, as you said, Black Hawk Down. Sizemore really in the mid-2000s just... His career floundered, he ran back into drug problems, most notably recently, if you go to his IMDb page, legitimately 17 films announced in production or in post-production, he's clearly in, like, I'm just taking work yeah, mode. Yeah, I need to get money. Yeah. yeah. Uh, because, man, there is a lot of stuff. I have not heard of one of them. I saw him in an indie movie called Atomica very recently uh, that is fine, he's fine in it, mm-hmm. and most notably in the last few years, he had a recurring role on Hawaii 5 and and... Uh, he that's pretty much oh and shooter the new shooter so He was in six right, episodes
1: right I wanted to mention Damon real quick just because uh, Spielberg cast Damon um, <clears throat> based off of a recommendation from Robin Williams yeah. on set for Goodwill Hunting not which cool. I thought was cool because Spielberg yeah. thought that Damon was too young and too small to play a, a soldier and um, because he
0: had seen him in what Courage Under Fire that's
1: yeah Courage it? Under Fire yeah and then uh, oh, shoot there was one more part of that um, oh and and then it was kind of a bummer because Damon became an overnight star with Goodwill Hunting and that was completely not planned. And he wanted him to be the, the surprise guy that shows surprise up. The surprise guy that no one knew about.
0: Which is so funny going forward if you think about Interstellar, because he's the unnecessary surprise yeah, guy yeah, that shows up tot- who
1: isn't billed. Totally true. Yeah. Um and then um Oh shoot, there was one more thing I wanted to say about Damon but I can't remember.
0: I mean Matt Damon is the only. he's the only guy out of the entire cast that has truly become an- a superstar.
1: Well yeah. Diesel definitely Diesel is too but like not in the same way but different Damon. yeah. Damon's
0: iconic as like this is an actor who could be nominated or win an Oscar for any movie he's in, mm-hmm. but he also could like, lead an Ashton franchise. Right. Whereas if you then jump over to Vin Diesel, this is really interesting. He had uh, written and directed his debut,
1: Strays. Oh which, yeah, he was also the lead in that, yeah.
0: Yeah, which Spielberg saw and then cast him in this role. He got paid a hundred grand with like no <sighs> credits to do this movie. <laughs> um, and then Diesel's career took off. You know, He's all he's in the Fast and the Furious movies. He's like... Triple X. Yeah. Uh, the p- pitch Black, yeah. Yeah, he's in all those movies for the next few years, but then... Diesel is, I think, so perplexing because he. Do you remember when Diesel like he left movies for a minute?
1: Yeah, oh six. Yeah, I think it's because the Fast franchise had kind of petered and, out, and yeah, no one else wanted him. Anymore. He made
0: that movie, Find Me Guilty, in 06. So between like 06 oh, and yeah. like thirteen, he makes like five movies in eight years. And the movie f- called and, A Man
1: Apart as well. Yeah, that's yeah. when he's
0: still doing. It's like oh three, I think. Mm-hmm. And then he made he made like the fourth Fast and the Furious. He came back, and then the fifth one. And then Diesel's brand really blew back up with that. Yeah, he was yeah, in Guardians absolutely. of the Galaxy. He made another Triple X. Another- well, now,
1: yeah, now he's untouchable. Yeah. Being part of Guardians and the Fast franchise, which you did not like, The Fate of the Furious, right? I was not a fan. Yeah. Oh, oh one one more thing I did want to say about um, uh, Damon, which I thought was cool, is that he did not participate in any of the boot camp that everyone else did, and he did not have to go through any of the shit that the platoon did so that they would have a grudge against him while they got to school.
0: So they would resent him.
1: Yeah, and yeah, that, cool. that look that Burns gives him right before they're about to go into battle it's like you piece of shit yeah but then it's also like but you're my brother yeah right yeah, yeah it's, it's a cool look uh speaking of burns um edward burns you know he, he had a pretty interesting career he kind of seemed like he would be like a heartthrob for a little bit like he might be like the leading man in like uh rom-coms did you ever have the moments watching this movie where you're like you look exactly like ben affleck oh yeah of course yeah and, and you're also just like too good looking yes um yeah he's that's just him um yeah, he's just kind of had an interesting career, very successful writer director, writer, director, actor credits, and um, he's most recently created the show uh, Public Morals.
0: Yeah, Burns is in, like, he did. he's made, like, five or six movies. He's really more known as, like, a, as a director who puts himself in his own. He writes and directs mm-hmm. and puts himself in his own movies. He kind of seems like, had he gone more in the direction of acting, and he's one of these guys, like Peter Berg, who shows up as an actor sometimes. Right, right. But Fabre. he seems like if he was a guy who had been like, I'm just going to be an actor, he probably could have done it. But he wanted to be more creative, so he directed a bunch of films. Still, what he's doing, public morals. I'm not sure if it's still on. Um, Goldberg is like, Goldberg's like one of those like above average character actors who's just been around forever, mm-hmm. right? He's Eddie. He's he's Matt LeBlanc's roommate in the deja early season. Have friends? Yeah, he's in Deja Vu. He's
1: he's in entourage. He's just. I, I think he's one of the most underrated character actors out there because he's always fine. Yeah, he's always good. he's always good. He's always good. He he never st- he doesn't ever steal the scene in the way that it takes away from the movie. And if he does steal a scene, it's because he does a great job. And he talks a lot in Deja Vu. He talks a lot in <laughs> Deja Vu. He does. Um God, his death is just incredible. Um, Jim, so yeah, he's
0: got a recurring role in the Jim the Jim Gaffigan show and in Fargo on FX.
1: Uh, speaking of recurring roles, Barry Pepper, um, who played the sniper, awesome. He he didn't work a lot. He he worked on um, a lot of he he worked a lot in Tell Saving Private Ryan, and then he kind of like. Drifted away, and in 2011, he appeared in The Kennedys.
0: Yeah, it's a, it was that it was that uh, that TV series about the Kennedys, and then he's got a recurring role in The Maze Runner. He actually, of all the guys in this cast, he was one of the ones that I expected when I looked him up to see that he had like done very little work. Yeah, and I was surprised to find he's pretty consistently worked on reasonably high-profile stuff since this movie. Mm-hmm. Like every couple of years, he'll get something. I think he should. He's great. Yeah, though I do think that his he's probably the least developed of all of the the GIs. He gets the least. He gets, he gets his, like... um He gets his, like, sort of prayer moments. You know what I mean? Yeah. Where he's shooting. And that's about it.
1: Yeah, I agree. I feel like there, there just needed to be a little bit more backstory. But the movie's already so long, they probably didn't have any... They could have maybe just switched lines around a little bit in some of those scenes. Yeah. Because in a lot of those scenes where they're all... Interacting, he's kind of just quiet.
0: I think stoic. he was in like a, like a like a like a the sniper kind of movie. Was it? I think so. That he got after this, maybe. In any case, yeah. Pepper Rabisi we we talked about already. He just was just in that brand new show, Sneaky Pete, uh, the Amazon series mm-hmm. that I've heard really good things about. But he 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 was kind of like Diesel in the same way. Around oh4 04, 04 to 09 he kind of disappeared. Um, wasn't he was in stuff, but it wasn't anything anyone was seeing. And then in 09 with Avatar, and he came back with Public Enemies, and then the last, you know, his his last seven or eight years, he's been in a lot more stuff again. Right. Uh, but it's different now. He's just he's a he's an older character actor now. When in this role, and when he was younger, he was like really baby faced and really sweet, and he had that soft voice. He's in Boiler Room. He's like he's just that
1: guy you liked. Right. 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 Uh, Paul Giamatti, I totally forgot was in this. Yeah. Incredibly successful career He's an Oscar winner Uh, He's in billions now Yeah Straight out of Compton He was He he just popped up That was like the first time I'd seen him in a while San Andreas too Yeah San Andreas Which I didn't really watch Uh, Billions like you said And then uh, This is an interesting thing Because Paul Giamatti Has an incredibly high RAR We don't have the time To talk about RAR today Um, But I think I think there's a really Big argument to make For Burns and Rabisi In this film Yeah big time Um,
0: Yeah We'll get to that when you when we announce our new thing, guys. Rar is a whole discussion we're yeah. going to be having. Um, you can postulate and know what you think Rar is, yes. or go to Fistbump Film Club because I probably talk about it. I'm um, sure you did. <laughs> uh, and then Jeremy Davies, who I remember as Daniel Faraday from Lost. That's the, the role that I remember him for the most. Other I just than remember hating him yes. forever.
1: <laughs> Fair enough. I, do you wonder if maybe his career did? Like, do you ever wonder about that? Because because like they take on a role that's so something. Yeah that that you just don't want to see him in things anymore?
0: Well, here's what's interesting about that. I'd, I have never seen Jeremy Davies in any of the shows I'm about to mention. He won an Emmy for Justified right? just a few years ago. He was in Sleepy Hollow for a ton of episodes, Texas Rising, and he has two episodes in American Gods coming up. He's like a super prominent TV actor. I can't think of, I, I, I haven't seen his face other than Lost yeah. since the mid-2000s. But apparently... I know.
1: When I looked up his picture, I was like, I don't know who this guy is other than in Lost.
0: Yeah. Aside from those guys, um, there were a bunch of other guys in this cast. You, Cranston. Yeah, Brian Cranston shows up. Ted Danson shows up. Yeah. Um, Nathan Fillon. Did you realize that oh, yeah, was yeah. him?
1: Yeah, yeah. That, so he's... Um, He's the kid, the, or the, yeah, he's the wrong Ryan, the wrong Ryan. Yeah. Yeah. What do I know him from? Firefly so and, uh, just came out. castle. Yeah. Um, yeah. I did recognize him though. And I was like, it, and that's a, that's also a really good scene. It's yeah. cool. Yeah. Really good scene. Um, all right. So moving on, we've got our categories. It's this is well we'll break them down and let you guys know. Yeah, there's what three they action are. movie categories,
0: guys. Totally ridiculous, totally legitimate, and ridiculously legitimate. Uh, they are what they sound like. Totally ridiculous movies are like Con Air, Face Off. You just kind of like laugh the whole time. They're great. They're entertaining, but you know they're really silly movies. Uh, ridiculously legitimate's the middle category, and that's like Point Break, Predator, uh, movies that are they, they they are grounded like The Rock, where they have a great couple performances maybe and a good solid plot, but they're silly too. You laugh unintentionally a lot. Um, but they kind of hold together. They're right in the middle. And then totally legitimate movies are just what they sound like. They're classics. Yeah. Um, and we even say movies like T2 is totally legit. Absolutely. it's It doesn't have even to Even just- Terminator was totally legit. Yes. And we... I mean, I think it would be impossible to argue.
1: It would. We would have to quit the show if we argued it was yeah, anything otherwise. this is totally legit. Yeah. It's real, really easy. Uh, you guys are saying a lot of really nice stuff about us in the chat about AMA and just us on the channel and our show and the uh, network and all that so we, we really appreciate it guys we really do guys. Um, so last but not least
0: guys we have one thing left and that's called
1: <gasps> The Pitch
0: Swammo wow. so a couple things guys a couple things first and foremost follow along the conversation follow us on Twitter you can find me at Ben Bateman Media you can find me at Andrew Guy you can find our Twitter for the show at AMA Podcast um, and we are taking next week off a well deserved quick break and it's mostly because Andrew's filming a fucking movie <laughs>
1: Yeah. <laughs> Woo! Uh yeah, man. I am. I'm so excited. This is like the biggest thing that's ever happened to me in my life. He's like a real thing.
0: Like he's he's taking three weeks, three and a half weeks off from life mm-hmm. to go film the lead in this movie. Uh he's going like we are, are doing like interesting pre tapes to try to get our shows taped for the
1: weeks that he's not here, uh, because he's not available because he's gonna be a movie star. Be in studios, I'll be on location. I I really can't I can't wait. I'm gonna be I'm gonna miss the show next week. Yeah. But we will be pre taping for the following week and we've got a good one. We've got a huge one. And it's also coming out the same week that our second episode of The Schmodown is being released.
0: Yes, we come out. That episode comes out on May 2nd, so it's on May one. 3rd, you're going to be able to catch us here talking Mission Impossible 2. With the cruise. Hunt Hunt DeGray Scott. <laughs> John Woo. Oh, oh
1: man. man. The, probably the biggest miss in the franchise. Easily the biggest miss in the franchise. But you hate number one. I do.
0: I do. I, I mean, we're, the, what I've realized is we're eventually going to cover both of them on this show. It's impossible. There's only like, there's only like five more cruise movies we can actually, in good conscience, even cover on this show, right? Like that are actually movies that are relevant. It's like, oh, it's, it's like Oblivion.
1: Mi one,
0: Mi two. Yeah, if we wanted to cover Oblivion, yeah. I guess uh, we you've got War of the uh, Worlds. I don't think you can cover. No, nah, I can cover War of the Worlds. Yeah. yeah, you can cover War of the Worlds. <laughs> Somebody has suggested Night and Day several times. Um, there's like Days of Thunder. Yeah, there's like there's probably maybe there's seven. The Mummy's coming up. But there's oh, not sweet. too many we get to cover still. So, Mission Impossible 2 is the next one we got coming. We'd We're going to go
1: through all of them. Oh, and really quick, guys, if you guys are, uh, I'll be acting in it. Um, if you guys legitimately are thinking about starting an AMA fan page on Instagram or Twitter or on Facebook, if you guys do a Facebook one, Ben and I will be happy to hop on there and interact with you guys. As for Twitter, you should probably just interact with our Twitter more because yes. yeah. <laughs> we can be better about that. But honestly, if you guys want to make an AMA Facebook page, We'll be happy to update you guys and pop in there. A
0: hundred percent. It'd be amazing. That'd be so we fun. We would love that. Yeah, yeah it'd be great. Um, guys, thank you so much for listening. Thanks for watching. This has been another excellent episode of Action Movie Anatomy. And yeah, we've covered like, uh, how many of your favorite movies in this category of the action category are left? Not, I feel like when Not we, many. I feel like when we walked into the show, you would have said The Patriot, Gladiator, Saving Private Ryan. Uh, Inception, The said, Dark Knight.
1: Yeah, might have said Last Samurai Lord of the well. Rings, Last Samurai. Those Con were, Air would have been in there. Yeah. And The Rock, yeah.
0: That's like the, that's like your golden list almost.
1: Probably, for I, action movies.
0: For me, the one big glaring omission we're still working on is Heat. Heat, yeah. heat is my... Which
1: I bought the other day at, at uh, 7-Eleven. I did, I saw the $5 <laughs> Heat. It was the first thing I saw when I walked in. It was like, boom, uh, It's mine. my eighth
0: favorite movie of all time, Heat. And... Uh, we're going to cover that soon. That's coming up. Guys, this is episode 96. There's four episodes left to episode 100.
1: Yeah, and and there are those omitted episodes, the watch-alongs and and the best of and the Bill Paxton, but there's four more until 100. There's a month until we have our big episode.
0: Episode 100. So we won't be here next week, guys, but find us on Twitter, watch the old episodes, tweet at us, let us know your thoughts, and look forward to Mission Impossible 2. Thank you so much for watching, thank you for listening, and we will see you guys when we see you. Bye.